Welcome to the Nach Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today we are going to be studying the 14th parak of Sefer Shmuel. We are a little bit behind. We're a day behind in terms of our progression, but I want to be sure that we give Yudala the attention that it deserves. It's a very lengthy parak, and a lot happens in this parak, and so it's going to take up all of our attention and our energy, our focus for the day. We find ourselves in the midst of a conflict between Bnei Israel and the much more powerful Plishtim, who have a dominant foothold in the land of Israel. Last parak already, Yonatan sparked a conflict with the Plishtim by taking the initiative and attacking them. Once again, in this parak, we find the same thing happening. Yonatan goes, he takes the initiative and brings the battle to the Plishtim. And the word initiative is really key uh, in this parak. Uh, as we find Yonatan and Shaul each taking initiative in different times and in different ways. Uh, and uh, the parak is a kind of contrast between Yonatan and his father, the king, Shaul. Yonatan emerges from this parak as, the, as a great man, a man of faith, vision, bravery. And Shaul emerges from this parak looking more reactive than proactive, looking kind of misguided and off base. So this continues Shaul's descent. The parak opens, as I just noted, with Yonatan taking the, bulls by, the bull by the horns and, and going uh, to the plishtim together, just him and his sidekick, his servant, uh, to go and fight the plishtim. The two men secretly approach the plishti camp, and Yonatan essentially tests the plishtim. He says that if they come out uh, to us, uh, and uh, they, they tell us to stand when they spot us, they say, wait there, and they're going to come to us, that's a sign that... Uh, that we should not attack the Plishtim and we should, we should run away. And if they say, come to us when they spot us, that's a sign that we should go and attack the Plishtim. And the commentators and really the Gemara already discusses uh, how we're, we're supposed to understand this, this sign or this test set up by Yonatan. Was it some sort of magical sign that uh, it's a, a kind of a, a divine cue uh, one way or another uh, re- regarding uh, whether or not Yonatan should go and attack, or are we supposed to see this as much a much more um, kind of a psychological test, uh, a very practical test to gauge you know, the Plishti mindset, that if they behave in a certain way, that would betray uh, a certain degree of uh, hubris or fear, and if they uh, act in a different way, if they respond in a different way, that would reflect... Confi- uh, maybe a healthier confidence, a, a preparedness. Maybe that's this is just a way for Yonatan to uh, assess uh, where the plishti are, the plishti mindset is at this moment. So two different ways of reading this. But regardless, it's very clear that Yonatan is a man of great faith in God, and he knows that Hashem can deliver even the mighty plishtim into the hands of the very few, even just into his own hands, together with his trusty sidekick. He ends up attacking the plishtim. And he succeeds in killing uh, a good number of their soldiers. But the success is amplified by the fact that it causes this great stir in the Plishti camp, and sowing fear and confusion, causing the soldiers to even fight against each other. Um, so this is this, a very successful moment for Yonatan. And at that point, the lens turns to Shaul, who's standing nearby with a few hundred men and watching this great tumult take place in the Plishti camp. Shaul determines that it's Yonatan who is there fighting with the Plishtim, and Shaul calls for the Aron, he calls for the Ark. Seemingly, what he wants to do in this moment is to inquire of God in some way uh, to, uh, to see whether or not they should go to battle, or um, perhaps he wanted to bring the Ark into, into the battle with him. Whatever it was, it was supposed to be some sort of uh, deferential move uh, towards uh, seeking Hashem and Hashem's approval and Hashem's... Um, 
and premature in going to battle now. But then he changes his mind. He quickly recants. He tells the Kohen, never mind, withdraw your hand. Shaul realized or, or felt that there was no time, and so he leads the men right into the fight. So if we stop right there, this is a very important moment, because in, in a certain way, it's, it's a repeat of the Shmuel incident in Gilgal. Just like in that instance, uh, here too, Shaul is, is supposed to wait. Um, he, he's waiting. One, in one case, he was going to wait for, for Shmuel, and in this case, he's waiting for the Aron. Uh, and then because of the enormous pressure of the moment, in that case, uh, because of the mounting threat of the plishtim, in this case, uh, his son already engaged in the fight with the plishtim, uh, he, he gives in, he, he caves, and he changes course, uh, and he decides that he cannot wait. And so in both of these cases, we find perhaps a similar failure uh, to follow through and uh, a similar failure to show a kind of unwavering deference to Hashem uh, just prior to uh, Hashem delivering uh, Shaul uh, and, and the Bnei Israel in battle. So it's interesting how, how this echoes, albeit a much subtler moment, but it still echoes what happened with Shmuel. Okay, so it seems already that's kind of notched a failure on Shaul's belt in this parak. Then Shaul rushes into battle. As he rushes into battle, other members of Bnei Israel who had defected, who had been hiding in the cracks of the mountain, who had perhaps even been mercenaries for the Plishtim, they see what's happening and they turn and they fight together with Shaul, and now together with Yonatan as well. So there's this big turning of the tide, and, uh, and things proceed in a very positive uh, way, in a very positive fashion in this moment. And the Israelite army succeeds in this advance, so much so that Shaul says that any man who eats or drinks until night will be cursed. Why does he do that? Why does he utter such a thing? It's because he wants the people to have a kind of singular focus on destroying the plishtim for as long as possible, and he doesn't want them to get distracted with eating and drinking. But Shaul seems to get carried away here. And in his zeal, uh, he, he goes to an extreme that, as we'll see, ends up not being good for, for him and for Bnei Israel. This turns out to be a mistake on three fronts. Firstly, because his own son, Yonatan, ends up eating despite this curse, having not heard about the curse. You'll recall that Yonatan went, he was already ahead in battle, so he didn't hear that his father had uttered this curse. And then he himself, Yonatan, Shaul's own son, is the one who violates this vow and, and, and seemingly has this curse fall upon him. Secondly, once Yonatan is informed about the curse, he eats, and then, he, and then one of the other soldiers tell him, didn't you know your father said X, Y, and Z? So then Yonatan himself says that his father's curse and vow is misguided because it weakened the Israelite army and undermined their ability to succeed in their efforts. It didn't, it didn't strengthen and, and it didn't strengthen their resolve and enable them to be more focused on the task at hand. It, it undermined their ability to rout the, the plishtim. And plus, we learn that the Israelite soldiers, B'nai Israel, were so famished as a result of fighting without being able to eat or drink that when the time came for them to be able to eat, when it was nightfall, they quickly slaughtered animals and they ate them without properly going through the process of removing the blood or perhaps covering the blood. Exactly what was not done is a matter of some debate. But the point is, uh, they stumbled as a result of, of this uh, hunger, extreme hunger that they experienced fighting without having the proper uh, sustenance. 
And so Shaul's curse was was clearly so misguided. This vow, this this moment of zealotry, is is terrible. It it harmed Yonatan, who violated the curse, or is going to be the subject of the curse. Um, it physically and spiritually undermined his own soldiers as well. So so this was a, a misstep, obvious misstep for for Shaul. Ultimately, Shaul determines. Uh, as he sees things going awry, particularly with the soldiers eating uh, in the uh, eating the meat without properly preparing it, so he sees that something must have have been bad here, and he he draws lots to try to figure out who here has uh, who has um, made a mistake, who has sinned, and the lot lands on Yonatan, and he realized that Yonatan was the one who ate uh, despite the curse, and remarkably. In response to this, Shaul says, okay, Yonatan must die. And uh, the people then protest and they say, is it possible that Yonatan, who led this heroic effort, is going to die? And they essentially redeem Yonatan. It's not entirely clear what, what is meant by that, but they kind of save his life and intervene uh, against Shaul's curse. And in this moment, uh, we we learn so much yet again about Shaul. Firstly, the fact that he casts the blame on Yonatan for eating uh, and not on himself for having uttered what was obviously a, a foolish and misguided uh, curse and vow. So Shaul's not taking the plot proper blame. And then secondly, when Shaul learns that his own son is going to die as a result of this curse, he doesn't try to intervene and, and save Yonatan. He just accepts it. He says, okay, then Yonatan has to die. And it's the nation that has to intervene. And so the Perak uh, offers really this comparative look at Shaul and Yonatan. We have Yonatan on the one hand who takes initiative, he seeks, and then follows uh, divine cues to undertake battles with perfect faith. He looks well, every bit the hero here. And on the other hand, we have Shaul, who is reactive. He springs into action only after Yonatan jumpstarts the effort. Shaul thinks to consult Hashem, but then impatiently jettisons that idea and just goes to battle uh, w- without having done so. Then he tries to show some proactivity by making this vow uh, to, with the curse uh, and, and the, to, so that the people will refrain from eating. And that's so obviously ill-advised. And then finally, when he learns that his son was the one who violated the curse, he goes back to this passivity and simply accepts Yonatan's fate instead of trying to save him. So Shaul demonstrates a mixture of passivity, ill-advised proactivity, and then a revert, a revert, reverting back to passivity. Uh, and then as another important dimension here, we see that Shaul is quickly losing grip of his power. His son uh, is this uh, savior, and he's credited for the victory against the Plishtim. The Bnei Israel, the soldiers, clearly say, Yonatan's the one who delivered us from the Plishtim, so Shaul's not getting the credit. And it's his own son who defied the curse by uh, eating, albeit unknowingly, um, but he's also, it's his own son, once he does learn about the curse, who says that the whole the whole idea of telling B'nai Israel, forcing B'nai Israel not to eat, was a bad idea. So his own son's kind of undermining him, and then his uh, his leadership is further undermined by the fact that um, he ultimately Shaul does not die as a result of um, ultimately Yonatan does not die as a result of Shaul's curse because the people say we won't allow it. We won't allow Yonatan to die. He's the, he's the hero. He's not going to die as a result of your curse. So ultimately, Shaul's own word uh, does not stand. And so uh, in all of these ways, Shaul's leadership is being profoundly, profoundly undermined. And uh, Yonatan is the one who emerges as this great leader as Shaul is quickly moving very much in the opposite direction. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.